Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Hey guys, we are in episode 12 already. Last week, I had the pleasure of being featured in Manifest This Podcast with Ashley Wood and Brand Yourself Podcast with Blair Badenhop. I am so stoked to be just sharing all these ideas about entrepreneurship and spirituality all in one sentence, and I'm so happy it's landing with you. My favorite review of the week that I want to share with you comes from Kate, and Kate says, Xenia has created a podcast that I can't wait to get to bed, sleep to wake up, and listen to on my morning commute. She's so authentic, spiritual savvy, and relatable in so many areas. She has many firework explosion ideas, and her energy brings so much light into my own personal table. I'm inspired by her business tactics and can't wait to continue listening to Woke and Wired each Thursday. Thank you, Xenia. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for listening. And this week's episode is very special. It's about mushrooms, a topic that I have been completely obsessed with since I was a kid, probably in different ways then than now, if you know what I mean. But I've been listening and watching everything I could find on Terrence McKenna lately, taking mushroom workshops, taking cordyceps every day, putting more lion's mane in my morning lattes. Mushrooms are a big topic in the wellness world right now. Michael Pollan wrote an amazing book on mushrooms and psychedelics lately. Definitely check that out and listen to all the podcasts with him. And today's guest is Jason Scott. He is a mycologist ethnobotanist, and bajiricist, I think I said that right, who studied traditional hermetic alchemy from history and philosophy to practice for the past five years. He has a background in ethnobotany and plant medicine and started on the big island of Hawaii. And by the way, if you listen to episode one, the introduction episode, you know that Hawaii is where Breakfast Criminals started too, five years ago. So I find that interesting. Since then, Jason took his love and passion for mycology to the Pacific Northwest. Born and raised in Oregon, he has always had an intrinsic interest in the fungal queendom in all its aspects, from cultivation and micromediation to historical and cultural relationships, most specifically their medicinal application as well. Jason has studied various different healing modalities, including Ayurveda in Nepal and Western herbalism, all over Oregon and Washington. He's on a journey of educating people and really understanding the practical applications of his interests and finding the golden threads to connect them all. Wow, this episode is just mind-blowing. I'm just warning you ahead of time, make sure you're cozy and seated and ready to take it all in. And some of the things that we talked about are the benefits of ingesting mushrooms and their application in physical, spiritual, and philosophical levels shamanic and ceremonial application of mushrooms as well, what role intention plays in taking mushrooms, top mushroom that can benefit entrepreneurs. Trust me, you don't want to miss that one. It's fascinating what it does to your neurology. What is alchemy anyway? What mushrooms have to do with planets and moon cycles and how it can impact you personally? The challenges of turning your passion into a business and how Jason overcame them and the lessons that he learned from being a micro-entrepreneur. Micro-entrepreneur just means mushroom entrepreneur, my friends. The role that technology and social media play in his business and how connecting with mushrooms can be a way of healing both ourselves and our environment. Fascinating. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and please leave a review because it really helps more people discover the podcast and listen to these very important conversations and DM me on Instagram at Woke and Wired and let me know what your takeaways are, what kind of guests you want to see more of, what kind of things you want to learn. I'm here to facilitate conversations that create impact. Okay, here we go. I'm here with Jason Scott and... Per my tradition, I'm going to share with you guys how we met. It was a couple of months ago, and my boyfriend Eric, he went to this spiritual co-working place in New York City called The Assemblage, 
And he ended up texting me from there and saying, hey, I just met these people. They make elixirs and this guy's here who's a mycologist. You need to go to his workshop tonight. And I had all these other things going on. I was kind of at home winding down, not planning to go out. And something in me was just like, oh yeah, I I need to go to this. And especially because that week specifically, I had dreams about mushrooms and there were mushrooms that grew in my houseplant, in my palm tree, which was so rad because nothing like that ever happened to me before. So I saw it as a sign to reconnect with the mushroom medicine, to go meet Jason. And here we are. We have already done a Breakfast Criminals Instagram live talking about mushrooms. And now we're talking, taking this conversation to a new realm by talking mushrooms, consciousness, entrepreneurship, and productivity, and whatever else comes up. Jason, I'm stoked to have you here. Yeah, it's so good to be here with you again and to talk to you again. Really looking forward to it. So before we get into mushrooms and all the specifics of that world, I want to ask you my traditional question. What is making you feel woke right now? Oh, man. Well, I've been thinking a lot about patience, actually, and having this kind of like feeling of stress come up in certain situations of like showing up late to somewhere or not getting a certain project done on time or, you know, Mercury went into retrograde for whatever that's worth right now. And just a lot of things have been coming up. My computer stopped working and, you know, there's this part that like gets really stressed and has a hard time, but, you know, I've been really leaning into that patience and just trusting that things are going to work out when they're supposed to work out and how they're going to work out. And it, typically always does for the better. So I'm feeling kind of woke in that way. Mm. I'm so with you. Actually, this past week, I had something happen that had never happened to me before. I'm the kind of person that has nightmares quite often about being let to the airport, missing a meeting, not showing Mm -hmm. up to where I'm supposed to show up and mixing up the address. And it actually happened to me in real life last week where I was on assignment. I was supposed to go to an event and create content about it and get paid for it. And there was just a bunch of miscommunications, just like a constellation of things that led to me missing it. And, you know, on the one hand, yes, I looked back and I thought, how can we optimize the processes, make sure communications don't get lost? And on the other hand, something in me was just so sure that, well, I guess that just wasn't meant to be, you know? So it's that patience, like you're saying, and just being with what is and trusting the process. Yeah, absolutely. I'd actually like to share a quick story about when I was in New York. I was scheduled to teach in Connecticut, and I was on my way up there. I was all jet lagged and was a couple hours late, not used to riding the subways in New York, didn't realize how long it was going to take. And ended up being late and there was happened to be tornadoes happening in Connecticut. And because I was late, we missed those tornadoes. And if I had been on time, we would have been driving right through the storm, which would have been fairly dangerous. So just things like that seem to happen pretty regularly. Divine timing. Yeah. Wow. So mushrooms. It's a very personal topic for me because I grew up in Moscow and Russia and every single summer I would spend three months in our country house. And the main activity, because we didn't have a great TV, it was a black and white TV, we didn't have video games. I really wished we did, but we didn't have any. I had to go to my (laughs) friends' houses to play video games like Mortal Kombat. Anyway, so the main activities were going to the river and swimming and foraging, mushroom foraging. Mm-hmm. And also digging in the garden, which I didn't love so much at that time because I preferred eating the berries and not helping my mom kind of take care of the plants. But that's a different mm-hmm. topic. Mushrooms <laughs> were my highlight. To me, it was the most fun thing to do. And I remember going with my grandfather into the forest and you had to wake up early on the days when you would go foraging. And you also made sure that you would go when it rained like a day before or two days before because that's what would feed the mushrooms to grow. And so I would wake up probably at six or seven and go with my grandfather and spend like up to five hours just going through the forest. We both had our own already known paths and sometimes we would totally go off the path and just intuitively find all these new kinds of mushrooms. And I remember my grandfather, Viva, that's what we call him for short, he would sing and he would convince Mm. me that by singing, he would have the mushrooms come out and show their caps. Wow. And, you know, I knew, I knew it was a game. I I kind of knew it wasn't really a fact, 
but I did it too. And I'm the person who doesn't think I have a great voice or really sing in front of people, but in the mm-hmm. forest, just being in nature, being kind of in my own zone with the wilderness, something in me just opened up and I would sing and mushrooms would show up. And it's mm-hmm. like this meditative process of just being with nature and finding something and then a whole science of being able to identify different mushrooms and both when they're you're looking at them growing and then when you pick them different signs they show you whether they're poisonous or not and Mm -hmm. so for me you know that always was part of my culture we would cook them we would freeze them we would dry them they were always part of my life and the most common way we would eat them was by frying them with potatoes, onions, and sour cream. Mm. And that was so delicious. And so then I moved to America. It's been 10 years that I'm here. And only once I accidentally went foraging when we went upstate (laughs) to Mohawk Reserve and we went hiking with a group of friends. And Mm -hmm. I just started finding all these mushrooms and I already knew them. And I felt so proud of myself that I can identify and know which ones to pick. And at the same time, there was this fear what if the signs here are different what if it's like Mm. the cousins of the mushroom i know and they're poisonous but i took them home i did what i know with them i cooked them i ate them had my roommate eat them with me and i'm alive but that was (laughs) that was it that's where it stopped and then the you know the next time mushrooms came into my life is when i started learning more about superfoods and reishi became popular and cordyceps and chaga and all these different medicinal mushrooms came into awareness in the wellness world i started just being more curious and and testing out different ones and then your class came about and that was just the ultimate call for me to reconnect with this medicine and i remember Mm -hmm. at your workshop we actually you passed around your elixirs that you make your tinctures feral fungi and the one i'm holding in my hands right now is actually wild peruvian cordyceps Mm-hmm. And it was really amazing because you passed around all these different tinctures and I could, I was so present to the different effects in my body mm. that were awakened through these different tinctures. And, you know, it's one thing to just add a teaspoon reishi in your superfood smoothie or coffee and just trust that the benefits are there. But it's a whole other science and beauty to be able to sit in a circle and try it out and see how the body responds. So... That's my story. Now I want to get into your story. How did you get into mushrooms in the first place? Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. And as I mentioned before in the Instagram Live, you know, one of the most interesting things in connecting with you is hearing about your story and coming from Moscow and coming from a culture that really respects and and looks at mushrooms in a good way. Because as a lot of us know, especially in Western cultures, is like it's not really like that. You know, so people have kind of like this general fear around mushrooms. So maybe that was part of what you were feeling when you were harvesting them in upstate New York, mm-hmm. too. It's like that uh, fear and also disregard. Right? Yeah, exactly. Either a fear, either like being absolutely afraid of them. Like even I had a meeting when I was in New York and we were talking about mushrooms. And the first thing the guy brought up was, was oh, they're poisonous, you know. And, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, there's a lot of misconception, but... But the other side of that, too, is just disregard and not even recognizing them. And they're so mm-hmm. prevalent in our ecosystem. And so kind of getting back to your question of, of how I got into mushrooms and also kind of touching on some of the things that you said as well. I feel like the mushrooms have their own consciousness and they're really profound. Right. So they're a part of nature and they kind of like reach out to us. So maybe thinking like the way that that mushroom grew in your palm plant at, at your home. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that was a, the mushroom kind of like saying like, hello, and like, mm-hmm. kind of like, remember me and like, come, come over here. And I feel like that's really the way that it's been for me and for a lot of people that I've talked to around how, how they've grown with and connected to mushrooms. So my journey with mushrooms started, you know, when I was younger and I started to kind of like see the benefits of the mushrooms. And then I ended up going to the first radical mycology convergence in 2011 and that's where it really kind of like tipped it off. Can you explain <laughs> for, a more about what that event is and who goes there? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the first one was and still is, is a grassroots conference or convergence that was started in the Pacific Northwest. And it's basically a collection of mushroom folks based on 
radical ideologies coming together and sharing information about mushrooms, everything from cultivation to biology to foraging to medicine to their traditional uses and their potential shamanic applications and everything in of in, in between with art, everything kind of being interwoven into one gathering that's just all centered on mushrooms. And from that convergence and from other convergences too, you can kind of see all the different ways that mushrooms take people and all the different levels and all the ways that they reach out to people and touch people and show people and take people, you know, everything from, again, kind of like what I do with feral fungi of making extracts, mushroom extracts, to making cheese, to making beer, to making wine, to making micro-remediation projects, things that are going to help like remediate the landscape from oil spills and so on and so forth. So the radical mycology convergence is a place that people can kind of come together and learn about those things. And that was kind of like my big introduction. Like I was aware of mushrooms before that and had known a little bit about them, but that kind of tipped the scale for me and really pushed my interest into the cultivation and into the medicinal side of the mushrooms a lot further and kind of like brought me over the edge. Hmm. So you talk about mushrooms talking to us and having their own mm -hmm. consciousness. And it might sound a little out there to someone, but to someone who is interested in superfoods and plant consciousness and kind of familiar with that work, that's quite natural. And at the same time, there's a lot of science, actually. You know, when I was listening to the Paul Stamets episode on Joe Rogan Experience, he cites a lot of scientific research that proves that mushrooms do have consciousness and they are this really brilliant, intelligent web that there's this crazy stat, you know, there's more mushrooms, 30 times more mushrooms than trees, something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of signs. And if you guys want to, you know, look into more of that, there's definitely, you can definitely find that. Do you, can you cite or remember any cool scientific data talking about that, Jason? You know, not right off the top of my head, but there's, you know, I think a lot of times in this culture, we end up getting a really myopic view of the things that we're working with and using and putting in our bodies, especially when it comes to like plants and mushrooms. And a lot of people just kind of write them off and as not having any significance other than something that we use. But we have to remember that they're living and existing in a symbiotic relationship within an ecosystem and that they have a life and an experience, whether or not it's the same experience that we have through our own consciousness in their ecosystem. And the mushrooms a lot of times are kind of like the foundation of that, especially for a lot of different forest ecosystems, creating symbiotic relationships with plants to help break down minerals and make that accessible to them in exchange for sugars. There's been a lot of research coming out in a lot of different talks and podcasts. I think I even heard it on like Radio Lab where they were talking about, oh, the trees communicate with each other, you know, and then their, their whole thing was like, oh, there's this mystery about how the trees communicate with each other. But as soon as they said that, I was like, us oh, the mushrooms. And then that was the conclusion that they came to in that too. So there's been a lot of research in biology, just figuring out the way that these mycorrhizal relationships are working within the ecosystem. And so I think it's really important to remember, especially when we're taking these things and like putting them into our bodies, that, that they have an intelligence unto themselves. And mycelium, the way it grows, it kind of looks like a nervous system. It's like a neurological network. And we don't really completely understand what's going on there or how it works. I mean, we have a really basic idea. And with mushrooms in general, we're, we're pretty on like the front end of figuring out what exactly is going on with, with mushrooms. They're ultimately kind of a mystery still to us. So, so it's really interesting, you know, to look at their behaviors and their patterns and how they work in the ecosystem and then also how they reach out to us and reach out to our awareness and consciousness. So like thinking about the way that you're talking about taking those tinctures and being able to sit with them and really feeling their effects in their bodies. And one of the ways I like to think about it and think about, so technically I make what are called spagyric tinctures, which are practiced from the hermetic alchemical tradition. What is that? Let's get into the alchemy. That sounds like Paulo Coelho type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, well, I consider alchemy to be the art of transmutation, usually from one form to a higher, more cohesive form. And so it's essentially working with the patterns and the beings in nature and 
using natural patterns and natural observation to help transmute them or evolve them into kind of like a higher form or a higher version of themselves. So a lot of the alchemical tradition, there's this kind of like thought of, you know, turning lead into gold, right? Is kind mm-hmm. of like the way that most people think of or conceive of alchemy. And really what that is getting at the very basic level is saying that everything has like a seed form. That's like when you come in to the world or when a mushroom comes into the world or when a plant comes into the world, it has a blueprint of what it's what it's growing off of. If you were looking from a more like scientific, materialistic perspective, maybe it's like the genes and how the genes show up and how the genes express themselves. But it has a seed. And then as you grow through life and grow through your experiences and grow through your traumas and the joys and all the things that you have in your in your life, you kind of like take on your experiences and you take on what is referred to by I think it was Aristotle called it the accidental form. So you have your seed form, which is kind of like your true self. And in the alchemical tradition, that's gold is like the seed of all metals. Everything is kind of aspiring to be gold. And then you have your accidental form, which is happens through kind of like the environmental traumas that you experience through growing as just being a living being. And that's where the lead comes in. So you take on all that stuff. And so in the alchemical tradition, you kind of are like taking that back and like helping to reveal the gold that's underneath all the lead that's experienced. So on like, on like a more practical level, you know, when you're making spagyric tinctures, which are kind of like the, one of the most basic forms of the alchemical preparations, what you're doing is you're kind of like peeling back the layers that like, I always like to use an example of like a tree, especially like on the coast. If you ever lived in a coastal town, or even if you live in forest, you see like a tree that's like, it's kind of like bent and like windblown and is like kind of stressed and like, and has these kind of physical markers of the hard times that it's experienced through its environmental pressures, right? And so that would be considered the accidental form of that tree because underneath that is like, say you're looking at like a pine tree, is like there's that that form of the pine tree, which we recognize. And when we see a pine tree that's in really good health and really good condition, that's the kind of the blueprint that that's going off. But through its environment, through being hit by the wind, through poor soil conditions, through all these kinds of things, it expresses these kinds of traumas. And so through the spagyric tincture process and through the further spagyric processes and some of the other alchemical processes that are available, we're taking that material and we're breaking it down into its main components, which in alchemy are called the salt, the sulfur, and the mercury. We're separating those out, purifying them, and then putting them back together. So you're getting the whole being just purified and put back together. And you're doing this through a series of practical application of working on the material and then also through a conscious relationship that you have with it. So it's like walking through the lab and doing these processes is like a walking meditation, right? And so at the end, you have this product that has all of the parts that you started with just condensed into a more refined form. And that's why I like to consider the spagyrics living medicines, right? Because you've kind of retained all of that. And the main thing that makes a spagyric tincture different than a regular tincture is that you're getting those mineral salts from the plant or from the mushroom. So when somebody takes, you know, makes a tincture, you usually do like a decoction in alcohol, and then you strain off the alcohol and you're like, boom, there's my tincture, I'm done. And then you maybe compost or throw away the plant material. I'm not really sure what people do with the plant material because I always use it. I take it, that plant material that I've strained all the tincture off of, and I burn it down into a really fine ash. I leach the mineral salts from those ashes, and then I put them back into the tincture, mm. which on a philosophical level represents the body. You know, and the body being like the vehicle, it helps drive the medicine that's in the tincture to where it needs to go in the body. You think of, from the alchemical perspective, if you just take a tincture that doesn't have that body aspect in it, you're taking basically a disembodied soul and spirit, as they refer to to the salt and the sulfur in the tincture process. And then on a more practical kind of scientific level, you're getting a lot of mineral salts that help with making things more bioavailable to the system. So it kind of works in this like dual nature. Whoa. 
Okay, so that's what you do with what you produce. When we read about mushrooms on Instagram or wellness blogs, what kind of mushrooms usually are brought up there? Is so, it the disembodied, non-alchemical type of mushrooms? And are we still getting the <laughs> benefits if we take that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're still getting the benefits, but, you know, I think that the tinctures that I produce, as well as having a strong constitution of components that you're, you're going to find in some of the other mushroom tinctures, and maybe even potentially more so because of how I concentrate them and all that stuff, and they're all extracted from the fruiting body of the mushroom, you're also getting kind of like this dual nature, more like spiritual uh, side of things too. And and one thing that I really like doing with and working with the mushrooms is doing a planetary correspondence with, because another whole kind of branch to the alchemical tradition is working with, you know, it's as above, so below is one of the main axioms from the alchemical tradition that comes from Her- Hermes Trismegistus or Thoth out of, out of the Emerald Tablets. And basically what's that what that's saying is as above so below as within so without so it's like everything is just a reflection of everything else and so the stars in the sky are a reflection of the things here on earth and vice versa so each day of the week is ruled by a specific planet one of the inner seven planets traditionally and you can hear it inherent in the language and then you can work with the tinctures or the things that you're making on the planetary day And the fun thing with the mushrooms is traditionally there's been a lot of research and maybe traditional correspondences to plants from European cultures, to plants and planets. For example, you think of something like horsetails corresponded to Saturn because it's got that like rigid structure. Saturn corresponds to the bones and to the spleen and it's really rich in silica, which also corresponds to Saturn. But for the mushrooms, there's just not really that that tradition i think nicholas culpepper mentions it really briefly so that's been a big part of my work is like really looking at a lot of the different mushrooms that i work with and doing these planetary correspondences and so as well as doing the spagyric process i'm also processing them under the day of the week ruled by the planet that i've associated them with is that is that making sense yeah a lot of the listeners are either into astrology or getting into it so yes it's definitely making sense what i'm curious about is if those tinctures are made according to you know planetary movements should we also be taking different tinctures and different mushrooms according to that calendar well i mean so just to get back to the question you asked right before that most of the most of the products on the market people are kind of like tuning in and getting better about it but traditionally most of the products on the market have just been mycelium grown on grain which is you have to be really careful when you're looking into mushroom products because a lot of them will say full spectrum. So a lot of them will say full spectrum or a lot of them will say from mycelium. And you have to be really careful because those you're not really getting the full constituency of the mushroom. And in those cases, a lot of time it's mycelium grown on grain. And the mycelium is only one cell wall thick. So by weight, you're not really getting much of the mushroom to the grains that they're grown on. And then a lot of the other mushrooms that are being produced are either tinctures from the fruiting body or uh, powders extracted from the fruiting body. And those are much more physically potent, I would say, but they're not prepared typically under that planetary correspondence or that planetary energy. And so the way that I really like to work with and use my tinctures is kind of dual nature is like I make them potent so that people who aren't really tuned in to the level of the energetics and the planetary correspondence and all that stuff can take them and still have that benefit that they might get from other things on the market. And again, I think potentially even more just because of the mineral salts and because of the way that I'm extracting them. But then also you can work with them in the alchemical tradition. There's what they call initiatic medicines. And so as that, and I also sell my tinctures like this, where you sell a set of seven, Hmm. one for each day of the week that's correspondent with the seven different planets. And then supposedly how you're supposed to do it is you take the planetary ruler of that day as the sun is rising and you can kind of like just take a few drops as like an energetic initiator of sorts and so like on sunday i would take like a few drops of the sun remedy which in my case is i use reishi and cordyceps and on monday which is the moon energy you take a couple drops of which what i would correspond as lion's mane and so on and so forth for the whole week 
And you do this over the course of a year, and it kind of brings into line all of the systems of the body, all of your energetic systems, all the alignment with your sort of celestial self and your terrestrial self. So, um, hold for on. lack of a better word, how yeah. do you actually know what's happening? You know, because you're saying you have to take it over a year. Over the course of a year, we take so many different things. For example, me, I'm always trying new superfoods and trying new detoxes. So, how would you actually know that this is what's making the difference? Right. Well, I mean, I think that's really challenging in this day and age when so many things are coming out and people are taking so many different things. And one of the ways that I've learned herbalism is to just work with simple extracts of plants or just to work with teas of plants or just to work with plants in specific, or in my case, some mushrooms too, and really just kind of like tune in and focus with specific ones. So I think that's really the only way that you're going to objectively be able to tell what's going on and how it's directly affecting you. Hmm. But I also think that, you know, through my experience and what I've heard from people and from what I've experienced on my own is you're also going to get this, this benefit. And part of it too, is just like trusting that that process is taking place and it's happening. And so the planetary correspondences, they not only address like the energetic qualities of the mushroom and like the emotional and spiritual side of things, but they all correspond to a physiological body system too. So it's kind of bringing into balance all these body systems by taking them in. So for example, like reishi is going to be good, really good, like cardiovascular tonic and it's really good for your heart. So you're going to like take that reishi with the sun energy and it's going to kind of like bring into balance your heart. And then lion's mane is really good for like the stomach and the brain. And so you're going to take that lion's mane and it's going to kind of balance your stomach and brain as well as kind of the energetic properties that those carry as well. Hmm. So I can actually attest because I just finished a little bottle of the cordyceps and lion's mane tincture that you sent me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took it every single day for probably three weeks until I ran out. Mm -hmm. And I definitely was feeling a sense of being more clear and focused, but I didn't realize how much until I ran out of it. Uh -huh. <laughs> as yeah. soon as I ran out, I found myself being, even though I'm still getting my sleep, my workload hasn't really changed. I just found myself not being as sharp. Yeah. So can you talk to me more about why that happened and, and those specific mushrooms qualities? I think sometimes it's hard for us to tell just being in our day-to-day -day and like being so busy, especially as entrepreneurs, you know, we've got a lot on our plates and there's a lot happening. And sometimes it can be kind of hard to like tune in with yourself and see where you're really at and what's really going on. And so when we take something and we get into this habit of taking something on a regular basis and maybe we like kind of feel it or think we feel it, you know, really, we don't really have that point of reference until we stop taking it and realize, oh, that really was helping. And it wasn't just me thinking about it or making it up in my mind. And so your question about the lion's mane and the cordyceps, you know, those are both really highly sought after and prized mushrooms right now, especially in the whole nootropic biohacking kind of situation and scene because lion's mane, for example, has compound or a couple of compounds in it that increase the NGF or what they call the nerve growth factor. So it's literally helping you to rebuild your neural connections and neural pathways in your brain. And then also myelinates the neural sheet. The yeah, myelinates the neurons, basically puts like a coating around the neurons that helps to nourish the nervous system as well. And so that mushroom in particular, I feel like everybody should be taking all the time, especially just with the the prevalence of neurodegenerative disorders in our culture and all the kind of anxiety that people deal with and all the struggles that people deal with and building new neurological pathways and creating new unique connections in the brain. And so that is one of the ways that that mushroom is really beneficial. And then it has a plethora of other effects too. But I think in your case, maybe that's kind of the way that it was working. And then the in combination with the cordyceps, right, the cordyceps creates energy on a mitochondrial level. So it has cordycepin and adenosine in it, which are precursors to ATP. So it helps our body produce natural energy through our adrenal system. And then there's also this thing that happens too with the mushrooms when you combine them together, that they create this really amazing synergy. And I found this just with blending tinctures. And I've read uh, reports, more allegorical kind of stuff that say, you know, 
all these different mushrooms have been proven to be really helpful in cases of cancer. And then it's thought that maybe even putting them together, you get this added extra benefit. And then I also, I think I mentioned on the Instagram live thing, but I'd just like to say it again too, is my friend showed me this paper the other day where they were growing two different types of mycelium together. I think it was, I think it was reishi and turkey tail, but two completely different species of mushrooms, two completely different genus of mushrooms. And when they grew the mycelium together, they took an extract of that mycelium and tested it. And not only did it have all the compounds that they've traditionally found in both of those myceliums, but it also had created like a set of novel compounds or new compounds that they'd never seen before. So it's kind of like the sum is greater than the whole of its parts kind of thing. Wow. It's uh, kind of like this Harvard study that came out not so long ago where they studied a group of people, I think, over the course of 40 years and really looked into what makes people happy, what makes people fulfilled. And they looked at every area of their life, their career, their relationships, money, everything. And what they came up with is that relationships are the number one factor that makes humans more happy, more connected, more present and more fulfilled. And it's making me think, maybe it's the same with mushrooms. It's really in relationship with each other and with humans that they reveal their incredible benefits. Right. And I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, I think they're kind of, they're already doing that. Like, that's just their role in nature is they interact with the ecosystem. They help things grow. They help prepare substrates so things can grow and all these different things. And I think, you know, our benefit of communing with the mushrooms and relating to the mushrooms is that they're going to teach us a lot about how to walk on this earth, you know? And so them being the living beings that they are, they do so much in their ecosystem and in their environment. And kind of my relationship to the mushrooms has been mostly focused on on the medicinal extracts and medicinal preparations and the traditional use in, in Chinese medicine and in European medicine. But there's so many more applications. And I feel like we're at this time where not only we're hurting and we're seeing cancer, neurodegenerative disorders, we're seeing all sorts of different chronic illnesses pop up and show up. In ourselves, but also in the environment, too. And I feel like the mushrooms are kind of like showing up and being like, hey, like we're right here and we're we're already doing this over here. And if you just pay attention, like maybe we can work together and we can can do that together. And so it's really exciting for me, you know, being in this entrepreneurial relationship with the mushrooms on the side of the medicine and the, the health benefits that they can offer to people. But then also just seeing all the other potential, you know, of like growing, growing food off of off of agricultural waste products, off of things that we usually just throw out or compost, you know, it's another source for food, off of doing microremediation projects to clean up oil spills. To there's species of mushrooms that help to break down plastics. There's mushrooms that you can use to help clean waterways and to pull. Yeah pull things out of the soil in that way too. So there's just so many different ways that the mushrooms can be applied. And even there's a company out there in New York, I think it's called Ecovative. Uh, They're making mushroom materials basically. So they're making like packing material and they're making, I think I watched a video where they put together a tiny house and they grew the mycelium in the wall in the tiny house. They didn't use any nails or anything. Wow, and they are making stools and benches and leather and all these different things out of out of mushrooms and basically a renewable resource. So cool! Yeah, I remember hearing about Ecovator for the first time in a Netflix documentary about mushrooms. I think, and mm-hmm. I actually ended up reaching out to them because they're local, and I wanted to see if I can source my packaging for my product, my ceramic heart bowl, from them. Mm-hmm. And it was a little too expensive and took a little long. So I didn't end up going with it, but I was absolutely like bowing down to what they're doing and so fascinated. And, you know, speaking of entrepreneurial journey and mushrooms, I want to rewind a little back of how you got into that, because it's one thing to go to the Convergence, fall in love with the mushrooms, you know, listen to every Paul Stamets podcast and read all the books and just be personally in love with it. But something obviously happened in your journey where you were called to make it your career and your path. So do you remember that moment when that happened? 
Yeah, well, I mean, more than a moment, I feel like it was kind of a journey, and it was really tipped off through a number of different syncretic experiences. But I remember being really called, and then I was studying and learning about alchemy and the alchemical processes and how to make plant medicines through that process. And then I was like, hey, there's like where the mushrooms fit in here. And that kind of urged me to start exploring with the mushrooms. So I started exploring with the mushrooms through the alchemical traditions, just applying what we know from how to work with plants in that tradition to the fungi and then maybe thinking about them in a different way and like their own field in that way. And then just really like tuning in with them and connecting with them. And then I was kind of given this this sign at one point that was like, oh, the mushrooms are like, you're going to support the mushrooms and do this really, really good, like healing work with them essentially is like, you're going to, the mushrooms are going to be the vehicle through which you do that, or you're going to be the vehicle through which the mushrooms are doing that essentially. And so there, that one point it was showing to me that there's going to be this kind of symbiotic relationship there that between me and the mushrooms and, and then I took this trip to Nepal. I study natural medicine as well as mushroom being kind of like my main focus, but I studied a lot in Ayurveda and Western herbalism as well as the alchemical tradition. And so I took this trip to Nepal and I came back and there was all these job opportunities open to me. And it was like, I was set up to teach at this conference out here on the West Coast called Viridis Genii, which is a medicine, plant medicine and magic conference talking all about lore and mythology and plants, which is a really awesome conference if anybody is interested in that kind of stuff and gets a chance to check it out. Really beautiful. And I was set up to teach there and I got I got offered a booth, you know, to vend there. And so I had this moment essentially where it was like, okay, I can like keep going back and working for other people and doing something that's not really serving my higher purpose. Or I just spend the last $2,000 that I have and put it all into this project and just see where it goes and I, I chose the latter and just followed the mushrooms and trusted them and trusted this process that I'd been developing with them over a number of years through relating to them through making different types of alchemical preparations with them through for lack of a better word or or concept communicating with them you know and just communing with them in various different ways from out in the forest to in the lab to just connecting with with that spirit of the mushrooms and and I, I just went for it and I started making them and started producing them and launched it. It was just about a year ago that I launched my first, oh, wow. first, that was the first time I had sold products as feral fungi and as a whole set of spagyric tinctures. And it's just really kind of like moved forward from there. Wow. And how has that been going so far? Taking that leap? It's been going surprisingly well. You know, I didn't really know what to expect and the supplement industry can be really difficult, but I've been seeing a really good reception from people and they've been moving really well. And there's a couple different, uh, there's like a doctor in Illinois who's been working with my extracts and there's a couple chiropractors in Colorado. And then there's a naturopath down in the Virgin Islands, and they've all been working with my extracts, getting clinical evidence about how they're affecting and working with people, as well as just people who find out through word of mouth. I don't really do much marketing. I'm doing everything kind of by myself at this point. So I'm, it's, a, it's a long learning curve trying to figure out how to do this and how to walk and how to be in a good way and how to figure everything out and how to do the finances and make the website and all, all the things that are involved that aren't really part of the passion of working with and connecting to the mushrooms, but are ultimately, as I see, in service to them. And so it's really beautiful just to see how it's blossomed and how it's grown in just the year that I've been officially doing it as a business, essentially. Wow. So what role has technology and social media played in your business so far and in being that vessel for mushroom intelligence to come forth? Yeah, I'm, I, that's actually definitely one of my weak points <laughs> is the, the social media side of things. But just the accessibility of technology at this point makes it really easy to create a product and to get it out into the world and do it for a pretty reasonable, reasonable price, you know, because I, I started with not very much money, essentially, to get this thing up and off the ground. And, and it's just going and I talked to one of my 
teachers who in the 90s had tried to start like an herbal supplement thing. And he was just saying that there weren't the resources back then to be able to do that. So I feel like we're in this age of technology where information is being shared and moving and being so accessible that 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 I can much more easily share and be heard by the world through things like this podcast and mm-hmm. through like Facebook and through Instagram, which again, I'm not, I'm not super good at any of that stuff, but I, I participate and people hear about my work and people contact me through those mediums as well as just kind of word of mouth, which I think is where most of my connections come from is just by talking to people. And I'm much more of like a heart centered type of person. So I connect much more easily face to face than I do over, over the internet or through a screen. And so I, I get a lot of connection through meeting people and doing classes in person but actually an interesting story too on on the side of the social media is I always kind of like have a hard time with it but there's this part of me that recognizes the inherent value of it and years ago I was I saw that the this that radical mycology was doing a cultivation course and so I reached out to Peter McCoy who's kind of the head honcho over there at Radical Mycology, and I asked him if I could help him out in the class. And at the last minute, he had his helper bail out, and I ended up helping him with the class, just doing tasks for the class, helping get the workbooks ready and helping do hands-on stuff and all that kind of stuff. And so that connection was really made through, I think we connected on Facebook is where I sent him that message. And then through that, we ended up kind of talking and kind of diving deeper into the alchemical side of things. And then he offered to have me write a chapter in his book, Radical Mycology, Seeing and a Treatise on Seeing and Working with Fungi. And so I've got like a little 10-page chapter on the alchemical tradition and how to work with mushrooms alchemically in that book that I've written. And that connection happened through social media. And there's been a lot of instances for me like that, where it's like maybe something that wouldn't have been as easy to come across or do in person that these things, these opportunities kind of spring up through the, through the guise of social media. That's so cool. And you know, what I always think about as someone who is very immersed in the world of social media and does consulting in the field and does workshops in the field, you can be doing all the right things. You can be posting all the right content on all the right days at all the right times, and yet it won't be landing with people and creating the impact that you're really looking to create. And it really is not about doing it right. And it's not about following the steps, but it's about those magical moments when things do come together and those dots connect, like you connected with this guy on Facebook and to end up being in his book. So, you know, yes, definitely having a strategy and posting consistently is great. And that's why I have a course, a free course on Skillshare. I'm going to link that in the show notes that explains kind of basics. And I'm happy to share that with you. Basics of how to use Instagram to create an impact and get your message out there and feel good about it. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, it does take some sort of magic and technology beyond our understanding for the right things to come at the right place. Kind of what we started our conversation with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting kind of like building off of that too. There's been something that's been coming up for me a lot recently, just in conversations and talking to different people and talking to different people interested in entrepreneurship too. And it's this concept of like, even if there's a bunch of people already doing what you want to do, that you should still follow it and that you should still do it Hmm. because there's like this essence of yourself that's infused into it. And so it's much more, than just the product or the thing that you're doing that you're offering is because you're kind of like offering a piece of yourself. And so even if there's a thousand people making mushroom extracts, or even if there's hundreds of thousands of people doing social media consulting and stuff like that, it's like you bring your own dynamic, you bring your own kind of heart and your own expression into that. And then that touches people in a good way. And so that basically what I got from that essentially is even if a lot of people are doing something is don't and you're interested in it don't shy away from doing it yourself as well because people are going to connect with that part of you as well and that's what i've really found through my work too it's just been interesting that that's been coming up in multiple conversations recently that's so interesting i had exactly the same conversation with my boyfriend eric yesterday and we were talking <laughs> about crystals and the you know tools we're making with crystals and feather fans and manifestation fans 
how I had an Akashic Records session the other day with Ashley Wood, who is actually mm-hmm. a guest on episode 11. And that topic came through as well of it's really the energy that we put into whatever we put into the world, whether it's a product or a communication that people pick up on. And it's not so much the words or the physical form of it, but it's the energy that we put behind it. Right. And that actually leads me perfectly into something else I wanted to dig a little deeper with you. Uh And it's this, you mentioned that when you're creating your tinctures, when you walk through the lab, through the lab, you have a conscious relationship with the materials you're working with, with the mushrooms, and it becomes like a meditation, perhaps even like a ceremony. That's my own words. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I personally have been getting into cacao and Mm -hmm. I have a guest that episode I'm actually might be out by then with Florencia Friedman, who is a cacao ceremonialist. We talk mm-hmm. a lot about cacao ceremony and I share my own experience of how when I have cacao just casually in my with almond milk and go to my computer and start working, nothing happens. But when mm-hmm. I have the same exact ceremonial cacao and I light some sage and I sit with it and I put my hands on my heart and I create an intention then the experience is night and day. It's completely different. I feel so connected, so grounded, so present, and connected to some sort of higher divine guidance. Mm-hmm. And so what about mushrooms? I hear that you do have a ceremony and a ritual in creating them. Should we as consumers have a ritual around taking them? Yeah, I mean, so as far as the creating part of them goes, there's a saying in the alchemical traditions, it goes aura et labora, and that just means to pray and work. So those two things are interconnected and the prayer part of that is just that intention and it's just putting that good thought and that good feeling and that good energy into the production of those things. And so it really is a meditative process when I'm making these things and when I'm putting them together, when I'm straining them out, all the different pieces of the process is really a labor of love and also a labor of prayer, you know, and putting that that feeling and that energy into it and really a ceremony like you mentioned. And I really, you know, I think that the mushrooms can help so many different people. And the way that I prepare them is kind of to hit on two different levels, right? And so there's kind of like the very basic surface level where somebody can take that and be like, oh, that's a strong tincture and I'm going to get a lot of benefit for my health from taking that. And maybe they don't recognize that it's going to go any further than that. But maybe through like the way that I work with them and the way that I process them, maybe it's going to like open something up that they're not even necessarily aware of or connected to or touching on through that process. And then there's like what you're saying. Absolutely. You know, it was like, Doing a ceremony around working with those different mushrooms are are awesome. And that's kind of, you know, it was very loose and wasn't set up exactly like a ceremony the way that we were kind of taking it with the class. But it could be kind of in something, a format, format something like that, where you can either do it by yourself or you take it with people. And that's where kind of like the planetary energies can really come into play too, either to take it in, in correspondence with the planetary energy of the day, the planetary rulership of the day, and then you can also look at the planetary hours of the day. Or if you have something and you have some kind of like knowledge of your astrological constitution and your birth chart and what's going on and maybe what sort of transits are happening and where there's weakness in there, you can maybe say like, oh, my moon is really deficient right now and so I need like some lunar help and you can sit down light your sage, kind of like say your prayer, however your connection to that ceremony is, and then take a little bit of that tincture and sit with it too. And it's going to kind of move through you and help you move in certain ways too. And actually that's the way, again, they're working with it more in like a clinical setting, but that's the way the chiropractors in Colorado are working with them is they are, they are also practicing Chinese medicine and they use the the tincture is mostly in drop dosages just to help move energy, right? So mm. that's uh, another way that you can kind of work with them within a ceremonial context as well. Oh my gosh. Okay. After our call, I'm going to go revisit my birth chart and see what my astrologer told me is coming up this year. And I'm going to see what I need. And before you send me my shipment of the next tincture, please wait because I'm going to look yes. up what else I need to add to it. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, you can do that. So another thing I'm really curious about is... Do you notice that whatever your personal and energetic and spiritual state is, 
reflects how successful your business is in any given moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just thinking about that intention and that prayer and that movement behind things, you know, is like, I do a lot of personal work and do a lot of ceremonial work and do a lot of stuff for self-growth and for connecting to nature and connecting to the fire and the water and all the wind and the air and the earth, all the elements, you know, and so I feel like the ways that I've connected through those things, it kind of like comes through in my work. And I've just seen since I've kind of been on that ceremonial path, how much different my life has been and how my life has changed and how, and how that fuses itself into my work as well. And how that also touches other people, whether they're aware of what's going on or not. It's like, I can see that piece of, of my self work reaching out and touching people, whether they're taking the tincture or whether we're sitting in a class together and talking about things. And so it's really amazing because it's like, it's, like this subtle thing and I'm not usually very open about it. I'm, I don't go around like saying, Oh, I'm a spiritual person and I'm like this and I'm like that, you know, it's just, it's just my practice. It's just like what I do for myself. And, and it's really beautiful to go out into the world with that being my spiritual practice and not really something I very openly share with people and then seeing how it influences and how it affects people both directly through interpersonal relationships. And then also, I, I was going to say indirectly, but I guess also directly through the, the tinctures that I'm making. Wow. Okay. So I know we need to wrap up, but I have a couple more quick questions. Yeah. One has to do, you know, we mentioned quickly biohacking and mushrooms. What would you say is a mushroom that everyone needs to know about and would benefit from trying out in their lives? Lion's mane, for sure. Lion's mane is just this amazing mushroom and, and the hericinones and the aranaceans, I think are what they they're called. They're two different compounds from that mushroom that increase the nerve growth factor as I was kind of talking about a little bit before. And they've been kind of purportedly looked at as the most potent natural source of natural nerve growth factor. So out of all these different herbs that you can use for your mind and as a neurotropic and for your brain and for your nerves and for your nervous system, the those compounds from the mushroom are definitely kind of seen as like the top of the crop. And also, there tends to be this kind of relationship in our culture to extracting the most potent compound from the, you know, like pointing at one compound in this complex that is a plant or a mushroom and saying, oh, that's the compound that's doing the work and I want that. Mm-hmm. But but I think there's also something really beautiful about the synergy, you know, not only of that mushroom in of itself and how it comes together and why I like to do full spectrum extracts on all the things that I work with, but also in the ways that the mushrooms kind of work together as well. And do you think that taking it as a powder in your coffee or smoothie has a different effect than a pure tincture? Yeah. And it, it kind of depends on what it's going for. I mean, another way that you can take lion's mane, and a lot of people grow this mushroom, it's fairly simple to grow. It's fairly abundant, both in nature and to cultivate. And you can just eat it too. You can just like put it in some soup and eat it in your soup. And a lot of the studies they did in Japan with that mushroom on elderly people with dementia and other neurodegenerative disorders, they were they were eating it in their soup and they noticed the benefit for each and every single one of those per- people had a better cognitive function after a month of taking the lion's mane soup versus people who weren't. So I think there is benefit. I think there's even benefit to taking the mycelium grown on grain, but it's not going to be nearly as strong as something that's extracted from the full fruiting body of the mushroom. And I myself, I also, I take powders sometimes, but my main way I like to ingest the mushrooms is through tincture. One, it's really easy and accessible. And through the alcohol that's in there, even though it's a low content of alcohol, it has a easier time passing the the blood brain barrier going into your brain and going into your bloodstream and making it more accessible it doesn't have to be digested and processed through the liver and true story the tinctures are way easier to travel with than powders they raise way less easy- questions <laughs> yeah totally way easier to travel with and they're shelf stable like uh, my tinctures they're just going to get better over time they just age kind of like a fine wine so if you have something even if you're not taking it for a long time maybe you can have like a vintage bottle of feral fungi <laughs> reishi or something on the shelf you know and the general kind of rule of thumb 
you know, with powders, especially powders that haven't been processed in any way, are that that they're they're degrading over time, and really they only have a shelf life of a, a year until they it's not really even viable anymore in in most cases. So that's kind of the main problem that I see with with powders, and the main issue that I personally have with powders. And then from the alchemical tradition and perspective, kind of bringing it back from that too. When something dies, right, it gives up the ghost, as they say. So the soul, the spirit being the most volatile part, leaves first, and then the soul follows after that. The spirit is like the implants, is like the ethanol or the alcohol. The soul is like the essential oils or the essence. And it slowly starts to lose those things. And as long as you have something, you have the soul and the spirit and the body all there. But it degrades over time and it just gets like when you have something really fresh that you just cut out of the ground or you just pulled off of a log that's going to have like the most vital energy and the most kind of like vitality and and strength to help you out and so that's the best to just process things as soon as they're in that form because then you're getting the most out of them versus if they're powder that's been sitting around on a shelf for a year or a couple years they're going to degrade it in quality where you might still get some benefit but it's you know it's hard to know and it's hard to know when you're buying a product how long how long they've been sitting around hmm. okay so i'm sitting here drinking my herbal coffee with coconut butter and lime's mane and yep. during your one hour talk i've taken your tincture the wild proven cordyceps three times because uh-huh. i'm getting so excited about the conversation hearing about the benefits <laughs> of mushrooms so my yeah. question is can you overdo it can i overdo it can we overdo it I think that's a really personal question and people kind of have to really find their own threshold. But a lot of the mushrooms in traditional Chinese medicine, they're considered what they called superior herbs, which basically meant that they could be taken in large doses for a long time without having any negative consequences, which is not true for every plant, as we know, is like taking too much of things usually is not very good for us. But a lot of the cases, the mushrooms are powerful, but they're also gentle enough that they're not going to kind of throw off our constitution. They're not really going to negatively interact with many drugs or other herbs. And they're generally safe to take as what what they refer to as tonic medicines, which are taking regular doses for long periods of time. Hmm, I see. All I can think about now is, are you working with astrologers yet? I can see such organic relationship being formed out of people getting astrology readings in with that being just prescribed medicinal mushrooms. That's really smart. I kind of do my own form. Like I've done a little bit of research into medical astrology and looking at people's birth charts and how the planetary influences are happening. And you can just get really specific with what kind of remedies you give people through that diagnosis. But no, I have not specifically worked with any astrologers in that capacity. I've got a really good astrologer friend in Washington. His name is Tyler Panor. He has the uh, School of Living Astrology, I believe. Uh, he can be found at thechironium.com. But he has this really beautiful way of seeing and working with the planetary influences and how they work into our lives. It's much, much more grounded than a lot of the things that I've seen out there. So maybe I'll chat with him and see if we can work together in that capacity. Hell yeah. And if you are an astrologer listening to this, I would grab Jason before he gets too busy working with everyone. (laughs) Anyway, so to wrap this up, is there anything, Jason, that you want to share that I haven't asked you about? Not particularly. I mean, I, I would just kind of would take a moment to, I mentioned the radical mycology convergence earlier. And this year, I have the pleasure and have had the opportunity to be one of the co organizers of that event. So it's going to be happening the second weekend of October outside of Portland, Oregon, in a little town called Milano on this really beautiful farm that's got 20 wooded acres on it and is just this amazing spot. And we've been really putting in the work and doing a lot of research and putting together some really awesome things for this year's convergence. So, you know, it's going to be the fifth, the fifth convergence. It happens every two years. And this year is just going to be above and beyond, I think, what it's been in the past, just with everything that we have access to and available to us. And so really looking forward to putting that on and having that opportunity in my life. And then I also just wanted to mention for people, too, that you can find my my tinctures online, uh, www.feralfungi.com. 
and I have all of the tinctures that I currently have available. And I also do custom blends for people. If you contact me and have something specific going on, something that you're addressing and want to deal with, or you just want a, a custom blend of the tinctures that I have available, I'm more than happy to do custom blends for people. And all my email and all that stuff is on that website too. And all of that will include a lot of love, prayer, and ceremony over it. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to be looking at coming to the conference in October for sure. And I'm so stoked for people to get familiar with your work. I'm a big fan. And I think mushrooms are having a moment right now. And hopefully that moment will last for a very long time because there is so much potency in medicine and healing that becomes available for all of us. And thank you for being the one who is a channel for spreading this work. Just one of the channels. Yeah. And I, I feel feel like, you know, they are coming into our consciousness for some reason. And it's really important to listen to those signs when they're happening. And whether people are aware of what's going on or not, it's really interesting to notice the trends of how popular mushrooms are becoming. And it's kind of like they're rearing their heads or maybe maybe we're singing the right songs like you were talking about in the beginning. And they're like, okay, now they're like ready to listen to us, you know, and ready to engage with us. So I really appreciate talking to you and all the amazing work that you're doing and giving me a platform to talk about this stuff too. And it's really awesome to connect and and to hear those stories that you were sharing just about singing those songs and connecting (laughs) to the mushrooms. And, and it's really beautiful because that's just, that's what people have done for thousands and thousands of years is they sang songs for the land and they sang songs for the salmon and they sang songs for the water and they sang songs for the mountains and they sang songs for the mushrooms too. So (laughs) it's really beautiful to hear that and, and have you share those stories too. It's my pleasure. And if you're listening to this and if any part of you during this podcast lit up and said, I need mushrooms in my life, listen to that. Trust me, just do it. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, leave a review and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired and have an incredible day.